0: I've got no scientific proof of this, but it's just something that I seem to have picked up on, especially, you know, watching things on the internet. But it seems to me that what happens with a lot of people is that when they see a tragedy or something going on, you know what they do? They reach in their pocket and they pull out one of these things. And instead of going and trying to help those people, that are going through the tragedy. And I watch that and I go, do we not have concern for those people around us anymore? Do we not go and help those people that need to be helped anymore? Is that what goes on with us? Well, you know, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I actually had a plan through these past five weeks now. This is the sixth week of the messages that I was giving called Essentials. What I was talking about first, I said, people need the Lord. Then I said, people need a walk with the Lord. People need the church. People need friends. And people need a purpose. And what I was trying to say to all of us here is that if we don't go and help these people find these things, know these things, people need the Lord, don't they? People need to walk with the Lord, don't they? They need a church. Yes. They need friends. Yes. They need a purpose. Yes. All of those are absolutely true. If we don't help them in this, what we're doing is, is we're saying, you know what? We're glad to have you, but if you don't come in, if you don't you don't have any relationship with us at, at all, we're still okay with that. In other words, we will let them be in their tragedy. And we will do even less than videotape them and put it on the the internet. And our evangelism programs that we've had in the church for years have been something along the lines of, we're going to teach you how to share Christ. And so what we do is we get people to memorize scripture. We give them a good plan of how they can get there. But in reality, what we've done is, is that we have not reached those people. We haven't reached those people because we haven't helped them. They've, maybe they find the Lord in this. But what they don't have is they don't, they, they don't have a walk with the Lord. They don't have a church. They don't have friends. And they don't have a purpose. And we're hoping that they'll just make it after that. We seem to say that this is what we're going to do next. We're just going to, we're just going to, we're going to say, now that you've got that, you're going to be okay. Well, folks, let me ask you something. Does fast food taste better than prepared food? You know, that it takes a while to prepare. And most of you are going to say the prepared food tastes better. But let me tell you when fast food tastes better. When you're really hungry. And what we're doing is we're knocking on people's doors. And we're telling them about Jesus in this very quick way. We're giving them fast food. Now, what they're doing is, is that every once in a while we find somebody who's really hungry. We do find somebody that's really hungry. And then we see them come to know the Lord on this. And they're very polite most of the time. And what they do is they end up praying a prayer with us. And I've been through enough of these evangelism programs and and even led these evangelism programs and celebrated those people who have prayed those prayers with people to recognize that I would say nearly all of the time, not always, but nearly all of the time, they'll, they'll have the courtesy of tasting our food but they won't swallow what i'm saying is they'll say the prayer with us but they will never come to church and that they will never be baptized and so we've got to be a people not that are simply giving them the fast food but we've got to be in the long-term hall with these people will the fast food work sometimes yes it will if they're hungry at the time that we go in yes it will But most of the time what we're finding is people who are never making a commitment to the Lord. So let's look at some characteristics of those who follow the Lord and realize what we've got to do with this. First, a follower of Christ must receive the word of God. And understand, we have not reached these people if they have not received the word of God. They've got to receive the Word of God. James one twenty one says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the Word implanted, which is able to save your souls. This is how a person comes to Christ. This is also a characteristic of a person who has come to Christ. If they are not in the Word of God, then that we have not truly reached these people. Now, the reason that a person doesn't, that from the outside doesn't understand it is because people don't truly understand the tr- uh, Scripture before coming to Christ. That's the people before. They don't really understand the Scripture before coming to Christ. And that's because the Scripture is a spiritual transfer of into our spirits. Understand what we have. We have a dead spirit before we come to Christ. It means that our spirit is unable to respond. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means that it it is unable to respond to the Holy Spirit. So when the people read the Scripture and they do not know the Lord, what happens is is that it just is foolishness. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But a natural person, that's a person that doesn't know the Lord, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And what happens is, at salvation, the Holy Spirit makes a visit with them, does not inhabit them, but visits with them. And says, this is the word of God, you've got to receive it. And they have the ability to receive it at that point because the Holy Spirit has conviction, but they may resist the Holy Spirit in this. And so when they do, though, when they accept the the Lord in this, then what they have is the ability to Hear the Word of God through how the Spirit reads it to us, and we understand it more deeply than ever before. I used to wear glasses. Oh, in fact, I wore glasses so bad that, that I couldn't read the clock next to my bed because I get up, and, you know, when it's dark every morning. I get up and when it's dark and come to work. When I look, when I would look over there, I couldn't tell what time it was. So I would have to find my glasses so that I could just look at the clock so I could determine whether it was time to come to work or not, or time to get up rather. And that was the way it was. But when the, when it's like this with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit became my glasses when I looked at the scripture. Things that I couldn't see before, I could now see because the Holy Spirit was in me. And so that we find that when you are a believer, the believer who follows the Lord is a current student of the Bible. You're going to be in the Word of God. You'll have a quiet time each morning. You'll be there. I had my quiet time. It was in Psalm 121, 2 this morning. I can tell you exactly where I was. You know, it says, what does it say? I read it this morning, didn't I? It says that the Lord... Is my strength is the maker of heaven and earth? You can check that check me out on that. I read that early this morning, but the deal about this is you 're a student of the Word of God. you read it you see what happens to you is, is that you you start to grasp this sort of thing, so first, you need to know that you receive the Word of God, and we haven 't reached them if they 're not receiving the Word of God if they 're not a student of the bible secondly i 'm going say. A follower of Christ is baptized and we have not reached people if they don't get baptized. I mean, sometime in their life, they need to be baptized in this. See, this is not a condition of salvation. This is a characteristic of salvation. I want you to understand that. I'm not telling you that you're not saved if you, I mean, if you're not baptized. I'm saying this is a characteristic of salvation. When Peter was asked what must be done for salvation, he replied in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this often causes a problem. A lot of people think that baptism is salvation. In fact, you don't know how many times I've had uh, parents come and say, oh, I'm glad that my son now is saved just because he got baptized. I tell them that's just water. That does not save you. That water does not save you. It's not going to start saving you. You know, and that's not the the, the way that it works. That is water. That is an act of obedience. So understand, this is what happens there. It is, and, and, and some churches have started doing this. If you want to be baptized, come this next week, we're going to baptize everybody. I mean, no, no repentance, no confession of faith, nothing. Just go and put them in the water, put them in, put them out, you know. And it's like, they, I mean, their laundry is, I guess, saved after that too. So you see, this is the kind of thing that happens. No, but on the other side, there is no evidence that a follower of Christ who has had the opportunity ever refusing to be baptized in the New Testament. You read the New Testament, you will not find in there anywhere that you'll find a follower of Christ who refused to be baptized. We don't have a story of that whatsoever. He had, that had an opportunity. I know everybody goes, what about the thief on the cross? He just didn't have the opportunity. Let's understand that completely. And so this is a, an issue with so many of our evangelism programs. They repeat that prayer, but then they will refuse to be baptized. That's the, not the kind of salvation I got. The salvation I got was one that I was willing and even wanted to be baptized afterward. It didn't happen immediately, just like we don't do it here. But it happened soon after that. Salvation is a call to repentance from our own lordship to Christ lordship. It makes sense that we are going to be obedient to what the Lord has told us to do and be baptized. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ... We will be baptized. Now, you know, baptism doesn't make a person a follower of Christ, but a follower of Christ has been baptized. Years ago, I took Taekwondo, and my uh, instructor was a third-degree black belt. Uh, Let me ask you, what would have happened if I'd gone to him and said, "You know, I want to be a black belt, but I don't want to do all those things that you're trying to make me do"? What would he said to me? There's the door. That's all. And they would have literally is what would have happened. He said, I don't care what you're paying me to to, uh, train you. There's the door. You understand. And, And we think that Jesus is going to say, well, it's okay. You just don't have to do what I told you to do. It doesn't work that way. Third thing, a follower of Christ forgives others. Now, understand this is hard because we really haven't reached people if they're not forgiving others. That sounds really crazy, doesn't it? Now, there's plenty of people who claim to be followers of Christ who do not forgive. They believe that simply their own statements of belief will save them. I want to tell you, their statements will not. And I'll say this, because knowing Christ is not the same as believing He is the Son of God. And I think that's going to confuse some people. They say, well, I know He's the Son of God, but do you know Him? That's the question that I have for you. You see you believe that he's the son of god but you may not know him i, I believe that putin is the uh, president of russia you realize that you know that doesn't affect me it doesn't affect me whatsoever what i believe about putin you know what would affect me it would affect me if i was a citizen of russia you understand that believing that jesus christ is is a uh, the son of god would affect you if you were a citizen of christ's kingdom yeah it does so, you need to understand, you need to be a member of His Christ kingdom. See, to know Christ is to know His forgiveness. The very act of repentance means that, uh, means that, or reveals rather, that forgiveness must be in your future. It must be in your future. Do you understand? If you don't repent, what's the point of saying, please forgive me? All you would have is this emptiness of forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, but I'm never going to change anything. You know, some people, have told me they've been broken. And you know what they're really saying to me? I've had some really bad tragedies happen in my life so that I was humbled. That is not brokenness. Understand, that is not brokenness whatsoever. Brokenness is when you grieve over your sin. When you have an incredible desire to say, I wish that this had never happened in my life. And when you know forgiveness from that point, When you know forgiveness from being broken, you realize that you need to forgive other people. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive other people of their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgiveness is like the uniform that is, you know, like the, the Navy wears. You understand? What I'm saying to you is that you can still be in the Navy without wearing the uniform. I understand that. I don't think you can do it if you're on active duty. Well, guess what? We Christians are on active duty and the uniform that we need to wear is called forgiveness. It is that general rule and it is, it is something that we should have about us all of the time so that we are always forgiving people. Fourth, a follower of Christ loves others. We haven't reached people until they're loving other people. Recognize that we haven't reached them until this. Now, we've fashioned all sorts of excuses to get around this thing called love. We tried to define love as love is not holding people accountable when they do things wrong. That is not love, by the way. I mean, think of it this way. I mean, I always hear this one. You know, whenever I start to address something, sin, they'll they'll say to me, he who is without sin may cast the first stone. I've heard that so many times. I want to tell you what, I wish there were some seven-year-olds in here. Because, you know, I'm going to give you a little instruction, seven-year-olds. If you were here, I would say this to you. I would say the next time your mom or dad wants to, dis- uh, to discipline you, why don't you say, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And let's see how that goes over a little bit there. Do you understand? That's not love, is it? We define love in that sort of way, you know. But, you know, if you play that scripture out, God will never ever have any reason that he would ever to even uh, have his wrath upon us if we didn't trust in Jesus. And so it makes the cross meaningless. No, First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Our sins are forgiven because of the sacrifice of Christ. But this salvation instills a fervent love for other people. Love is a characteristic of the follower of Jesus Christ because it is a characteristic of Christ. And the closer that you get to Christ, the closer you're going to get to loving other people. You see, it's impossible for you to change your earthly parents. I know you, I've heard that you can get rid of your parents legally now. I don't know that that doesn't still make them unearthly parents. They're still your parents. They're still your parents no matter what. And you will have the characteristics of your parents. I mean, you may have the eye color, you may have their, you know, you may have their hair color, you may have something other characteristic on them, but you will have that uh, characteristic. But when you are spiritually born, you have a new parent. See, God so loved the world is the same love that you should have because it is in your father. You recognize that. This is in his DNA. It should be in yours. And so it will always be working on you because he loved you. You receive that love and you give that love out. Fifth, a follower of Christ will attend church regularly. And we haven't reached them if they don't attend church regularly. And I was riding my bicycle this morning. I I, I didn't think it was raining that hard. It was. And I was extremely wet when I got here. I was soaked through and through. I thought, oh, it's just a little mist. It's not going to be bad. Well, it, it was much worse than I thought. And I thought, how many people might stay out today because they're afraid of getting a little wet? You understand, regularly attending church See, the Bible doesn't give a follower of Christ permission to miss church on a whim, just a whim. You see, I I realize that um, some churches are even starting campuses that do not have attendance. I don't know if you realize, some churches are starting online campuses as they're calling it that. In other words, they're telling people, come and be a part of our church online. But you don't have to attend anything anywhere. But that's not from the Bible. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, the thing thought that you can get everything online, that you can get in person, is ludicrous. The follower of Christ needs to attend church to encourage others as well as being encouraged. It is picking others up when they are down, and you can't do that online. You just cannot see that they're down when they're on your online. You're encouraging them to walk with the Lord through all of this. You see, and a follower of Christ, really a one that is walking with the Lord, wants to be around spiritual people because you know as a follower of Christ they can help you. They can get you in a place where you can, you can talk that spiritual talk and walk that spiritual walk and actually be changed by Christ. And so that the Holy Spirit within you will compel you to do so. And when that disaster strikes in that person's life and, they, and, they, and they're standing there and they're saying, you know, some people have been out of the church for years, but what they expect is, is, that, is that the moment they have something, a tragedy in their life, they expect the church to come over to them. The church doesn't even know about it. They don't even know they're in the hospital. The church doesn't even know what's going on with them. And so they, they, don't, they get upset. The church didn't do anything. Well, the church didn't do anything because you weren't there. You weren't there on a weekly basis. And so this is the kind of thing that happens. You see, when disaster strikes in our community, our neighbors, we go over and help them clean up and repair. Well, let me tell you, this world needs some clean up and repair. And we need to be in the business of, of reaching them and having them with us in this. For a, a follower of Christ says, join me in this. Join me in what I'm doing. Sixth, a follower of Christ reaches out to bring others to follow Christ. And we really haven't reached people until people are out reaching others. James chapter 5 verse 20 says, Let them know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Again, the forgiveness of sins is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to say this, but the covering of these sins indicates that it's a characteristic of a follower of Christ who is forgiven through all of this. The follower of Christ sees those who do not have these characteristics and works to bring them into the church. They're urged to receive God's word. They're urged to be baptized, urged to have repentance before their baptism. Know that they have forgiveness and give forgiveness to other people, to love one another. And in being a Christian community so that they become those who will reach out to others and try to get them to do the very same thing. This is a matter of concern for other people. Many people are concerned about the church today. Across the world, we're finding that, at least in America, the church attendance is dropping in this. So pastors are wringing their hands because they know their congregation is expecting them to do something fantastic so that their church will grow again. Well, I will tell you something here, folks, and this may hit you very hard. But we will not see people turning from the ways of the world without shedding tears over them. Until our hearts are broken over them, we're not going to see this. We're going to see the same old, same old. It's going to be that way. Criticism of the church is an inward look. And we're all going to have clay feet. And I understand that. But looking at the condition of the people, not looking down on the condition of people, looking at the peop- condition of the people and seeing that what th- could be in their lives, how they could have joy, how they could walk with the Lord. This is looking outside. It is looking outside. The unchurched who do not know Christ are resisting the Holy Spirit. When Stephen presented the gospel, what did he say to those people that were about to stone him? In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, he says, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Their stubbornness was keeping them from God's word being able to receive God's word. So we build relationships to share the gospel as friends See, they will know that we're on their side if we're their friends, not fast food, people we know. We means that they'll know that we're not against them, that we're for them, that we love them. But understand, love always has a cost. Love is always a sacrifice. And understand this, there will be times when love will be inconvenient and sometimes very inconvenient. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, 13 Greater love has no one than this That a person lay down his life for his friends So you build this relationship with these people And when you have the right moment You speak up, you invite them to church You ask a question about their faith You help them along You're not trying to tell them how bad they are You're trying to lead them To become a follower of Jesus Christ Now, those who know Christ but are unchurched may be quenching the Spirit. You see, what they're doing is, well, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit is drawing them, but they're not listening. They're pulling back and keep doing the things that they're doing to make themselves Lord of their lives, even though the Spirit is calling them to do something else. And sometimes they can't even hear the Spirit anymore. There was a lady in my last church. She got breast cancer. You know what she decided to do? Ignore it. She just ignored it. She didn't go get treatments. She didn't do anything. You know what the reason why? She said, my mother had a tough time. She died of breast cancer. I don't want to go through that. So she made it worse. She closed herself off, wouldn't let anybody come to see her, stayed away from church and died alone. Do you understand? That's what happens with a lot of people that are quenching the spirit. They stand out of church. They're ignoring the spirit leading them. And they're ending up dying alone. Miserable in a lot of ways. We don't want that for people. They're quenching the spirit. And those who know Christ but are in church may be grieving the spirit. You realize it says in, in Ephesians four uh, thirty, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You realize when you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Do you realize that in every sin that you have after you become a believer, he's right there. He's there with you. He's there. And what happens is, is that you grieve him. That means cause him pain. Because you're, you're doing this. And, and people think, you know, I think a lot of people think, I have control over what I'm doing. I have control over this thing that I'm doing. But they don't realize it has control over them. And they may not be drug addicts, but it, they're, they're just like drug addicts. in the fact that it may be sex, it may be money, and it may, or it may be pride. And, but it's something that is there that is holding them and allowing them just to continue to grieve the Holy Spirit. They're like the monkeys that they, they used to catch. By. They'd get these gourds, cut a hole in them, put the fruit inside. The monkey would reach in with the hand. But the, but the monkey can't get the hand out as long as they're holding on to the fruit. And they get captured that way. They're captured by their sin. So I will say to you what I hope we can do, especially in 2024. Let's rescue as many people as we can. Let's rescue as many people as we can. Let's see people come to know Christ and know the joy of the Lord. Not simply so we can have them in our church because we just want to say, "I'll look at us, what we've done. Let's see some marriages brought back together because Christ will be in the middle of those marriages. Let's see some miracles in that. Let's see love abound, abound in our church and outside of our church that we show ourselves to be such loving people. Let's see encouragement for these people and, and for, for the inside and the outside of us. For those that are inside our church and on the outside of the church. But here's the crazy thing. The more that we reach people, and are you, I got my definition of reaching people, I already giving you that. The more that we reach people, reach people on the outside, you know who benefits the most? We do. We do. That's the truth. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And one who is wise gains souls. You know, here's the thing about us. This is what we get. You realize this. Let's bring life. Let's be wise. Let's reach people.